Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this, turn up the volume, and let's go. We are talking about the the supernatural, the spiritual world today, particularly spiritual warfare. So here's the the thing. Are are y'all ready to get started today? Okay, all right, here we go. So here's the thing. Two things happen when we talk about spiritual warfare or the spiritual world, the supernatural. There, there, there are kind of two categories that people can tend to fall into. And the first category are, are people who tend to overemphasize the, the, the spiritual warfare going on in their life. So we all know these people, right? It's, it's sometimes um, you get the sniffles and you're like, that's the devil. I got, the, I, got the, I got seasonal allergies and that is Satan. Nah, bro, you just need to take a Claritin. You'll be all right. You'll be all right, okay? So sometimes we, we overemphasize, like I'm on a diet and, you know, I just had a snack accident and that whole cheesecake, somehow the devil put that whole cheesecake inside my body. No, you just don't have willpower. We can pray for that, but, but I don't know if that's spiritual warfare, bud, okay? And so then there's, on the, on the other side, there are people who underemphasize the supernatural and the spiritual warfare going on in their life. Like people, and this may be us in the room. We, some of us in this room may fall under one of those two categories, but sometimes we have people who underemphasize what spiritual warfare is and say, you know what, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus and I, I, I'm good with the whole like, the, the whole five pound, eight ounce baby Jesus story. Like that's supernatural. I believe in that. And I believe in what we did last week in celebrating Easter and that, that the Easter story is real and that Jesus was resurrected. I believe in that. But for me, that's where the supernatural stops. Well, see, that's an underemphasis on the spiritual warfare and supernatural that, that's actually taking place. So what happens is both of those postures, both of those perspectives are inaccurate. And so what our goal for today is, this is the goal for today, is to get a biblical perspective on what spiritual warfare and the spiritual realm actually are. So you all ready for that today? Okay, with that in mind, the first thing we need to do is look at God's word. So 2 Corinthians, there's a lot of scripture today, okay? Not, a, not, not, not like a big chunk, there's a lot of little chunks. So stay with me if you're taking notes, write these scriptures down. First one is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through four. Chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse three, uh, chapter 10, verses three through four. Verse three, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish. Say demolish. Demolish strongholds. So what are we talking about here? What exactly is the Bible telling us here in 2 Corinthians? Is this like some men in black stuff? Like what's going on? Wars and weapons not of this world. What does that actually mean? It might be hard to wars and weapons not of this world. It might be hard for us to even wrap our mind about what that could actually mean, especially if you're a visual person. What does that look like? What does that actually mean? Well, if you look a little bit closer, and that's the title of this series, Look Closer, say look closer. If you look closer, there's more to the story here. So now we're going to jump to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Verse 10. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so when you start to look closer and you put those two verses together, when you add those on top of each other, you begin to see that there's absolutely a real battle going on in in what the Bible calls a heavenly realm, a spiritual world that we can't see. We can't see it. It's all around us, but we can't see it. But just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect us. Can I get an amen on that? Like, does anybody know, like, just because you can't see it? Some of y'all been through some spiritual battles. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there and doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. We're a part of it. It's very much around us. And so I want to tell you guys a little story. This is not really spiritual warfare, but I'm going to relate it. So stay with me, okay? Here's what happened. Natalie and I, my wife, she was singing today. She's so pretty and it's got such, I mean, our whole worship team's great, but it brings me great joy to see her in particular up here singing, Right? <laughs> But listen, what were we talking about? I got distracted. My wife and I got married. We've been married for almost nine years. We're celebrating nine years this summer. And uh, when we first got married, we lived in a neighborhood in Springfield that let's just say is not the greatest neighborhood. And so to paint you a little picture of what this neighborhood was like, um, we had a neighbor who had security cameras. He was a retired, or, or, or I'm sorry, he was a veteran rather. And so he was on kind of neighborhood watch in this rough neighborhood in Springfield. And so his security cameras actually pointed a little bit to our driveway and, and, and he was such a nice guy. And you could see our cars on his security camera. And so what he would do every Monday morning as I would head off to work, uh, or at that time I was actually still in school. So as I'd head to my first, 11 a.m. class, you know what I'm talking about, sleep in a little bit. Um, He would give me the rundown. He would say, hey, this week, I just want to let you know that 13 people tried to break into your car and 15 people tried to break into your wife's car. You had 13 people who tried to test your doorknob handle. And I'm like, bro, why are people, I have a 1999 Ford Explorer. And Natalie drives a 2004, at the time, a 2004 Suzuki Arrow. Anybody even know what a Suzuki Arrow is? No. Why would you want to steal those two cars? Like there, go, go somewhere else and steal somebody else's nicer car, right? So this is the neighborhood we live in. And I used to be, before I was a pastor here, before I was on staff at Courageous, I used to be a high school basketball coach. I used to be an assistant at a high school in Springfield. And so a lot of road games, I, I had to go to every game, freshman, uh, JV, varsity, because I was like the lowest level assistant on that staff. And so I was gone a lot, on the road a lot. And one day, Natalie calls me. I think we're coming back from Camdenton. So a long trip, a long away game. And she calls me, she's like, someone is bringing into the house like someone is trying to knock down our door and so it was at that moment that we decided okay if I'm gonna be traveling a lot we need a guard dog but the thing is I'm allergic to dogs and she's scared of dogs so we're like what we need a big dog I got it let's get a golden doodle the most vicious of all the hypoallergenic dogs is the golden doodle right that so we're like okay that made no sense but he does bark when people come to our door and he's big and it sounds ferocious but he's just gonna roll over and let you pat his belly So, okay, so here we go. Anyway, back to the story. That's a little side note, just to paint a picture with your imagination brush of where we lived. This is the actual story. So we're in this neighborhood and we're newly married, okay? We're one week removed from our honeymoon. So we've been married for like two weeks and we're asleep. And the way that house worked at the time, 
our bedroom wall that our headboard was on was bedroom wall, headboard, then wall, then the bathtub kind of shower on the other side of the wall. So we shared a wall with the bathtub combination shower. And this shower, this bathtub rather, was something that like I have never seen anything like this. It was a deep tub. Like when I'm talking deep, like where are my short kings at? Anybody, nobody, everybody's afraid to admit it or I can't see your hand. One of those two things is happening. That's a joke. I love you. That's a joke. All I'm saying is you probably need a lifeguard there if you're taking a bath in that bathtub. That sucker was deep. That thing was real, real deep. Something I've never seen, this porcelain deep tub. Okay, crazy deep. I want you to get that in your mind. And so here we are. We're living together for the first time, right? We've been married for two weeks. I have, like every man does, I got a six-in-one body wash, shampoo, conditioner, hair gel, shaving cream. Like it's one thing on the, on the ledge. And then Natalie has her 300 things all around the ledge. And so I'm like, okay, I guess this is what marriage is like. And so we're asleep. And I'm in that state of sleep where it's kind of like I'm asleep and I might let out a little snore, but at the same time, if you turn off the TV, it's like, wait a minute, I'm watching that. Like that's that state, just kind of right, right almost on the sleep. And so all of a sudden I wake up out of bed. We both shoot out of bed because someone has just busted our window and it's go time. Someone is breaking into our house. Like there's no neighborhood watch. There's no HOA. There's no nothing in this neighborhood. So you, your boy's up. Like, I, I'm, this is go time. This is what I prepared for. This is what pre-marriage counseling was for me. Tactical training on how to protect my wife, right? Where are my men at? That's what you're supposed to do. And so, as one does, I am laying in bed, and I just barrel roll out of bed onto the floor. There's a loaded shotgun under the bed. I grab that. I pull out the, 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 the nightstand. There's a nine millimeter there. I toss it to Natalie carelessly. Safety was on. She turned it off. And I'm like, as I'm walking out the door, call 911, shut the door, right? And so we've been married. We're just back from our honeymoon. So, and, and I was a relatively thin man. I say relatively thin at the time. And so, you know, I was in my, my, my silkiest of underpants, right? We just got married. And so I am tactically clearing the house with a, with a 12 gauge shotgun looking like that. Okay. So here's what happens. I, I clear the house. I'm walking all around. No windows busted. No sign of someone kicking in a door. Everything's good. And then the police show up because she had called the police and they're like, I don't know what you guys heard, but there's nothing going on here. Like you guys are safe. So we're like, okay, what? We know we heard that noise. What was that? And so we're laying in bed and then I start to think, Maybe it's, maybe it's not of this world. Maybe it was something spiritual. Maybe we got demons in this house. So it's like something's going on. Like, what the heck? We got to pray up. Maybe the, the 12 gauge is not what we need. We need some olive oil. We need to anoint this place. I don't know what's going on. And so we fall asleep and we wake back up. Actually, Natalie had to be at work really early. And again, I have 11 a.m. classes at the time. So she had to be at work really early. So I'm still asleep. And, and as she's getting ready for work, she notices in that big, deep bathtub, her razor in, in the razor holder, I don't know if that's the actual name for it, have, have fallen. And so she's like, oh, I'm gonna put this back up. And she goes to suction cup it back to the tub and, and the suction cup is not suction cupping anymore and it falls down and it clangs around this deep bathtub. And again, I'm asleep and I shoot out again looking for the shotgun because that's the sound I heard in the middle of the night. And then we realized no one was trying to break into our house. Her razor fell and this deep end of the bathtub clanged around and we both thought we are under attack. 
And so I'm vulnerable with that story because at first it pays me in a good light, like I'm trying to protect my, my, my wife and my family, but in actuality, I'm an idiot. I was fighting, let's get back to scripture here. I was fighting or thought I was fighting something tangible, thought I was fighting something real and tangible, something flesh and blood, an intruder, something that I needed to protect that I could fight on my own. But the Bible just told us in Ephesians that that's not actually what we fight against. Let's go back to verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The weapon that we fight with are not weapons of this world. Like we're not fighting with, with the, in the spiritual world, this battle, this spiritual warfare battle. Is, is, there's a very real battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness going on. It's a real battle, but we don't use weapons of this world. We don't fight with nuclear bombs and AR-15s and 12-gauge shotguns and, and throwing stars and swords. And next time you say the word sword, say it like that and watch people look at you like, you all right? Is that good? We don't fight with those weapons. Instead, we engage in this battle with something else, with prayer and by faith using God's word. There's a very real spiritual battle going on. And so again, how does the Bible, if we know the Bible just told us there's a very real battle going on that we can't even see, but that we're a part of, well, how in the world are we gonna even fight? How do you fight something that you can't even see, but you know is there? Well, let's look back at Ephesians 6, verse 10. We just read it, right? Again, scripture says, finally, be strong in who? The Lord, very good, y'all paying attention. Be strong in the Lord. The Bible says be, be strong in the Lord and in whose power? His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You are not strong enough to fight and win this battle on your own power. You don't have enough strength, right? Scripture is going to say it this way, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes because we have a real spiritual enemy. Like we're not just fighting things we can't see. We have a real spiritual enemy who is scheming and plotting and planning to hurt you. He wants to throw you off course. He wants to steal your joy and to pull you further away and to lead you away from the kingdom of God. So put on your full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's what the Bible says. It's not really against people, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. If you have a battle that you're going through right now, which I'm sure more people than not in this room can say, yep, I'm, I'm going through a battle right now. I'm going through some spiritual warfare in my life. Remember that, that just because you feel like you have that boss from hell, you're not actually fighting against people. That, that boss from hell is made in the image of Jesus. And so you might actually be fighting something not of this world. You might actually be fighting with a real spiritual enemy. See, we live in a physical world, yet there is a very real spiritual world that we can't see. But we need to embrace this truth, what we, what, that what we see with our eyes is not all that there really is to see. What you see with your eyes is not all that there really is to see. 
When it comes to spiritual warfare, this is a really important principle that I need you guys to understand if you're gonna fight in this spiritual warfare with the power of Jesus because what we see in the physical world is not all that there is. There are, there's another world out there, a very real spiritual world that's just as real and even more powerful than this physical world. I'm not trying to be weird, but this is what the Bible says. Like I can't take out what the Bible says. So if you're sitting there like, I've never heard this before. This sits a little uncomfortable with me. That's okay. It's what the Bible says. We're gonna preach the Bible. What you see is not always there. Have you ever seen one of these? uh, I I saw it on Instagram for the first time. It's called, I think it's called Cake or Fake. Have y'all, anybody familiar with that? What they do, if you're not familiar with that, this is, I got a couple people over here that obviously we have the same algorithm on social media. Um, what, what they do is, is they, they take something and it looks like, I don't know, it looks like a shoe. And then someone takes a big old cake knife and begins to cut it. And then you have to, like you're pausing to think, is that cake or is that really a shoe? And then they cut into it and it's either cake or a real shoe. Okay, and so here's, here's what, here, let's just do a couple together. Let's go ahead and look at them. Okay, is that toilet paper or is it cake? That is cake. That is cake that I would never eat, but it's cake. What about this is a bar of soap? Not cake. I don't know what that is. We'll pray for that. That's not cake. Cake. That's delicious looking plant cake. Is that lotion to moisturize your skin or is it? Uh, hard to tell. It's cake. It's cake. And so the, the, the point of this exercise and showing you this video is for not, not for you to go home and like start taking bites out of your toiletries and be like, is this cake? I don't know. Pastor Chad said there's a spiritual world. And so that my toilet paper might be cake. I don't know. No, that's not, you guys missed the point. Here's the point. There's more going on than what the eyes can see. In the physical world, all that, that looked like lotion, that looked like toilet paper. But there's more going on that we can't see. So much more that we can't see with our eyes. There's a very real spiritual world. It's just as real as this physical world and it influences our physical world. If you're going through a battle right now, if you're struggling with something, here's something I want you to know. If there's something weighing on your heart, there's something that's heavy, here's what I want you to know. You are not alone in your battle. You are never alone in your battles. It may feel like that sometimes, but scripture tells us in 2 Kings chapter 6, this is what the Bible says about being alone in your battle. This is when Israel is at war against the king of Aram, and and there was a servant, and he was talking with with a guy named Elisha, who's a man of God. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So the servant is freaking out here. He's like, we don't, they got hundreds, there's thousands. They have horses, chariots, they've got weapons that we don't even know how to defend. We've never even seen those. What, what are we supposed to do? We, if you look at the surface, this looks like we are in big trouble. We are gonna lose here. But let's look closer. Here's what Elisha responds with in verse 17. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire 
all around Elisha. What happened in that moment is God, Elisha prayed and God gave his servant a glimpse. He, he, he gave him some spiritual eyes for a moment and gave him a glimpse of what he could not see in the physical world, but what was really real in the spiritual world. God's angels and an army were everywhere. They were not alone. Elisha and his servant and their men were not alone in this battle because we're never alone. We have to remember there's more than the eyes can see and we're never alone in the battle. So here's the second thing I want you to know. What can we learn from 2 Kings verse 17 that we just read? Well, we can learn that our prayers are more powerful than what we think. Elisha prayed a very simple prayer. God, open his eyes so he can see. That's, you didn't have to go to theological school for that. Like anybody can say that and pray that prayer. God, open his eyes so that he can see. Give him a glimpse of what's going on around him. Our prayers are more powerful than what we think. Now, here's, here's something that happens though, right? Sometimes we say prayers and, and they're heartfelt, deep prayers and then we don't feel like anything has changed. Maybe it's been a couple days, maybe it's been a couple weeks, maybe it's been a couple months and you're praying these prayers and asking God and you feel like nothing's changing. Anybody felt that before? Okay, two people, everybody else has a direct line to God. That is great. And I don't know if I have much more for you today then. But if you're like me and these other two people up front, then know this. There's, there's, there's a really good example of this in the Old Testament. When you feel like you're praying and praying and praying and nothing seems to be happening, there's a really good example of, of what the Bible tells us may actually be happening. And it's in the Old Testament. It's Daniel chapter 10, starting with verse 12. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. I know there's a lot of scripture, but stay with me today. The, angels said, the angel says to Daniel, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day, say first day, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and you have come, we have come rather in response to them. Verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, the, the archangel, the chief princes, one of the chief princes came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So can you imagine this? Daniel's praying. 21 days go by. He's like, nothing's happening. I need a miracle here. I need something big. And then God sends his angels right away. The moment that God heard Daniel's prayer, he released his angels. The angel just said it right there. The moment that Daniel spoke, God released his angels, but they were held up for 21 days by a spiritual and evil spirit. And so God sent another angel, Michael, the archangel, and he came and he helped hold off this evil spirit so that the angel talking to Daniel could make his way through and get to Daniel and, and, and say, God has answered your prayers. 21 days Daniel was praying for, for a miracle, praying to God, crying out to God. And for 21 days, he's sitting there thinking nothing's happening because in the physical world, nothing was happening. Nothing was changing. But in the spiritual world, there was a battle going on. Angels were trying to get to Daniel, but there was an evil spirit holding them up because what we see in the physical world is not all there is. So Natalie and I have been married for almost nine years. I told you that, right? In June, June 14th. Is she in the room? June 14th, wherever you are. I got it right, okay? June 14th, we'll be married nine years. And so from years three, we got a little fight actually talking about this because she said I had it wrong. I thought she had it wrong. From years three through five, I don't know that we really liked each other, to be completely honest. Well, let me rephrase. 
I don't think she liked me very much <laughs> from years three through five. And justifiably so. Like I was not an easy man to love in years three through five or two through four, she says, of our marriage. Like I was just going through some spiritual warfare and I didn't really realize it at the time. And, and so that's why I want you to hear me today. You're listening to somebody who's been through it, who, can, who, who, who some, is going through it. Like I'm right there with you. I'm not above this. This is happening to me, has happened to me. And so I want you to hear my heart on this. But years three through five, like I just, I just didn't have much joy or happiness. Like I didn't really want to like I didn't wanna to go to work. I didn't like this job I had worked really hard to get um, and was blessed to get. I didn't really like it anymore. And then I felt convicted and guilty because I'm like, well, God gave me this job and I don't even like it. Like what in the world? And then I didn't, I didn't wanna hang out with our friends anymore. I just kinda of wanted to stay at home. And, and, and so, so, so I didn't, I didn't wanna have fun or joy. Like I didn't have a desire to have those things. And our marriage was kinda of like really tense at moments. And, and so it was a rough couple of years. But one thing that I was doing was going to a men's small group here at Courageous, just men getting together every week. It was, it was just talking, like dudes just getting together, connecting and talking. And I'll never forget an older guy at the group talked about a spiritual battle that he had just gone through and was kind of coming out the other side and giving glory to God. And he was talking about this spiritual battle. And, and what happened was he said, every single morning, I would pray that God would put on the full armor, his full armor on me every single morning so that when I stepped out of bed, I would be protected, that I'd, I'd have armor, that I have a weapon to go out. Even though there are things that I'm dealing with that I can't even talk about, that I don't even know what's going on, I just know I needed God's armor. And so I started doing that. I'm like, okay, like I'm gonna try it. What's the worst that can happen? Like, it's not going to get much worse from here. And so I started praying that every single day. God, give me, and we're going to get into what the armor, the full armor of God is. But God, give me, give me the helmet. Give me the breastplate. Give me the, give me the belt. Give me the sword, Jesus. Help me fight this battle because I can no longer do it on my own. I was losing the battle. And what happened was not too long after I started, I mean, I'm talking a couple days after I started praying that prayer. I could feel the joy. I'm like, oh, what's that? What's that feeling? Oh, that's joy. I haven't had it. It's happiness. Wow, I haven't had that in a while. So what I want you to, if you're struggling with depression, if you're man, woman, student, whoever you are in this room, maybe the enemy. I don't want to discount anything that, that, you know, the trauma or anything like that, but maybe the enemy in your life. And you may need to start praying for, for the full armor of God. We're going to get into what that is. But I started, my marriage started to heal. I started to feel like, I want to go hang out with our friends again. Are we still friends with them? Can we call them up? Like, I know we haven't talked to them in, in, a, in a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years, but like, I have a desire to go out and have fun. I was using the wrong weapons. I was, I was trying to do what a typical man was doing and just tough it out. Like, oh, I'll tough it out. I'll get through it. I'm a man. Where my men at? Like, I'll get through it. It's not a big deal. I can, I can handle this. This is, who am I to say that I have problems? Like, I got this. I'm good. I was using the wrong weapons and the wrong tactics. I was close to losing the battle, but once I started to pray and ask God for his help and to intervene, things started to change. So some of y'all are bringing like foam swords to a gunfight. You got your water pistols and your foam sword and you're like, I'm ready to fight. And it's like, that's not gonna work. You need to start calling on the ultimate weapon, Jesus Christ, to fight this battle and destroy your enemy. There's a very real battle going on in the spiritual world. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the powers 
the principalities of darkness. We have a spiritual enemy. He's the devil. His name is Satan. And, and so we need to take a moment. If we're going to understand our enemy, and anytime you go into warfare or battle, you need to understand who we're going into battle against. And so we need to take a moment and, and, and kind of go over some tactics of the devil. And so one thing that, that Satan loves to do is he loves to blind the minds. Say blind the mind. He loves to blind your mind. And so here's what I mean by that, right? Like you may be in this room saying, ah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a follower of Jesus. Like I kind of want to be this, but, but I'm not really sure. Or maybe you, you're here today and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Someone brought me here. Someone invited me, but I don't even believe in really what you're talking about. I don't really believe in Jesus. And so you start to get distracted, you start to get a little distracted and you're going, you're starting to think about, ooh, did I close the garage door? Hope I closed the garage door. And you're starting to tune out God's word because Satan's blinding your mind. Or you start to think about lunch. Like, ooh, what am I gonna have for lunch after church today? I wonder if there's an Icelandic restaurant on the south side. Is Icelandic food, does that even exist? Does Icelandia even, is that even a real place? Hmm, and then you start to think, you just go down this rabbit hole and before you know it, service is over and you're like, oh, I, I don't even know what we talked about today. I kind of drifted off because Satan loves to blind your mind. Second Corinthians verse, uh, chapter four, verse four, the God of this age, and that's a little G God, meaning Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan loves to blind the mind. The second thing he loves to do is to steal God's word from you. He wants to steal God's word and rob you of God's word and his promises. So for example, you may be able to relate to this. Um, maybe you were here on Easter last week and, and, and you heard God's word and you were baptized. 62 people baptized in the name of Jesus. That's amazing. Praise God for that. 240 people giving their life to Christ. That is amazing. And so maybe, let's give God glory for that. Maybe you're one of those 240 or 62 people who just took that next step and, and, and then you woke up the next morning. Or maybe if you were here at Courageous Nights a few weeks ago um, and the presence of God was so strong that we just people just stayed and worshiped for hours. Or maybe a couple Sundays ago, we had an altar call at both campuses simultaneously that neither campus pastor, myself or Pastor Brandon, even knew what's happening. Like we, I felt it here. The presence of God was here. Brandon felt it over there. It was something supernatural, something in the spiritual world that took place. So you experience some of those things or you hear the word of God or you're worshiping in your car and you just feel something different. And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and you're like, what, where did that go? I kind of forgot. Wait, a couple of weeks ago, I experienced something at, at Courageous Nights and I, I don't really remember what it was. I, I, what was that? Satan wants to steal God's word from your life. He wants nothing more than to distract you and for you to forget about those things, for you to experience it in the moment and for it to carry over maybe a couple days and then for you to forget about it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, just forget about that. That wasn't that important. He wants to steal God's word from your life. He wants you to go back to normal and think, Jesus, wh wh where was that? Like, I, I felt it but, it, but it's vanished. Matthew 13, verse 19 when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. Satan wants to blind the mind and he wants to steal away God's word. The third thing he wants to do is he wants to set traps to ensnare you. He wants to set a trap to ensnare you in sin. 
and deceitfulness. He wants you to, 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 to have you ever noticed rather that, that when you're trying to get away from, from some sin in your life and you're like, I, I'm really wanting to, 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 to put this behind me. I want to live for Jesus. I want to make better decisions. And then all of a sudden um, you got those old friends from your party lifestyle who show up with some white cloths and some greenery from the devil's garden. And, and you're like, okay, I, I guess, I guess we'll go back into that. He wants to ensnare you or, or maybe you're trying to get away from these lustful thoughts like, oh, I know that's not Jesus and, and God forgive me. I don't want to look at that. And then you're on social media and something just pops up like it just it, you didn't look for it. You weren't searching for it. it just pops up. You're like, oh, another lustful thought. I'm trying to leave this life and get away from this. Satan wants to set traps to ensnare you. He wants to attack you where you're weak. Second Timothy Chapter two, verse 26, and they, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Another thing Satan wants to do is he wants to fight to stop you. He wants to fight you from getting to church. He wants to stop you and block you from hearing God's word. He wants to stop you from doing good for the kingdom. He wants to stop you from talking to the students in your school and for your coworkers and for your family members. He wants to keep you away from Jesus. He wants to stop you from putting Jesus first. Husbands, hear me. Fathers, hear me. Families, hear me. He wants to stop you from putting Jesus first in your home, in your heads, in your heart, in your hands. I'm running out of time, so we're gonna skip ahead a little bit, but know that Satan has so many tactics. He wants to destroy you. He plans to take you out. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around, prowls around like a lion, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour you and your kids and your marriage and your relationship. God's promises in your life, your finances, your testimony. And so we have to remember that the good news in all this, I don't, I don't want to scare you and I don't want to leave you on a note like, oh no, Pastor Chad just said we have an enemy who wants to destroy. What are we supposed to do? Well, think about what we talked about. We have a heavenly father. Jesus Christ already won the battle. Guys. When a battle comes your way, we don't fight for victory. Jesus already had the victory. We don't have to fight for victory. Now that doesn't mean a battle's not gonna come our way. We are still gonna face battles every day. We're not, just because Jesus rose from the, from the dead, was resurrected, does not mean that we won't face battles. It doesn't mean that we're gonna live this posh life that we all, everybody in this room knows that's not the case. We don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus has already experienced victory. He's already won the war. And so these battles, we fight from a place of victory. And so when you take on a battle, no, it's, it's not by my strength or my might. It's not by my skills or my strength. It's by the strength of Jesus who is greater. The, 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 the one that is inside of me is greater than the one that is out in the world. And so Again, we're running short on time. I got a little distracted and I apologize, but I want to read Ephesians chapter six again. Now we're going to go through verses 13 through 17. So this is the second half. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, 
to stand. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You have a breastplate of righteousness, not because you're righteous, but because Jesus is righteous. And so when you put that breastplate of righteousness on, God doesn't see your sin. He says, he says the, the righteous, there's no one good, no one righteous among us and our, and our acts are like filthy rags to him because we're not good and we're not righteous. We can't work our way to heaven, but by faith through Jesus Christ, that he is our savior. That's how we get to the father. That's how we experience salvation. And so when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, God doesn't see our sin and our filth. He sees his righteousness in our lives. If you think about the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, he left home, he took his dad's money, he blew it all, he lived in sin. Then one day he woke up with the pigs begging for their slop in filth and in sin and in pain. And so he comes back home and what does his father do? His father puts a robe around him because the father doesn't wanna see those sins. He says, you know what, this is the righteousness. I'm gonna clothe you in my righteousness. I'm gonna put the breastplate of righteousness on. When those fiery darts, those accusations come from the enemy, you are not good enough. You're not worthy. No one will ever listen to your testimony. It tries to discount what Jesus is doing in your lives, tries to stop you and use those tactics we talked about, wants to attack your marriage. You'll ne your marriage will never be good. Your finances, you'll always be in debt. You'll always be living paycheck to paycheck. When, when those, those fiery darts from the enemy come, the shield is what you use to defend yourself. Jesus is the overcomer by the blood of the lamb, by the words of his testimony. Greater is the one who lives inside of me than the one who lives in this world. God has a plan to bless you and to prosper you, prosper you and to give you hope. He's given you the, the, the tools and the weapons and, 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 and everything you need to fight the spiritual battles going on in your life. You don't fight them alone. You fight them with Jesus. So we don't fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.